Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you are joining us for another hope-filled message. And our prayer is that you are encouraged by this powerful Sunday sermon. So good to have you guys in church with us. I actually hope you had a lovely Easter. I love school holidays, I'll be honest. Uh, shout out to all the people who have to drive in less traffic. Can everybody say it? Amen. <laughs> Let's go. So good. But you know, I was actually thinking about it. This month marks 15 years since I moved here to New Zealand. It's been crazy. It's been awesome. 15 years. I know. Yeah, I'm originally from Zimbabwe. That's uh, why Tashinga Chenyao. It is a Shona name. And uh, married my lovely wife now, Joanna, for nine years. That's the one. Let's go. So good. I know you all are really clapping because you're like, man, he clutched that because he was nervous when he put out that number. <laughs> it's like, he got it. Uh, and it's been really awesome. But obviously, grew up in Zimbabwe, and me and my family have actually moved around quite a bit. We uh, lived in a, another country called Zambia, which is just above Zimbabwe for about three years. Then moved back to Zimbabwe. And then uh, actually, when I was about 14, we moved to England and spent four years there. Then we moved to New Zealand. And I went to the wonderful metropolis that is Waipu and Ruakaka. That's where we were based. So good. Somebody so close to the beach. But, you know, he had a paddock on this side, a paddock on that side, rearing cows. Could have called me a dairy farmer. Nah, not quite. Um, but then, obviously, yeah, I found myself here in Auckland. And I thought to myself, you know, it's, it's been a journey. And I don't know if you can relate, but when you move around quite a bit, one of the things is continually having to make new friends and find community. And I think when I moved here, I was kind of like a little bit over it. And I was just like, what would be the fastest way to just kind of make friends? And it's like, how can I be cool? And so I think when I was over in England, a lot of people actually called me Tash as like a nickname and stuff. And then I moved here and everyone's like, well, that's Natasha. I'm like, oh, okay. Then. <laughs> Can't use that one. So I was like, oh, I'm, I, I, I can reinvent myself, you know? And so some of you won't know, but I do have a middle name, like most of us would. Uh, it will shock you, but my full name is actually Tashinga Gerald Chanyao. I know. And whenever I say that to people, it's like a sense of disappointment just kind of fills them because I know you don't want to say it, but I know you were thinking, is it, you know, something magadini or something like that? Something that you can't pronounce or something, you know, it's like, you know, someone with a click or, you know, I don't know. But No. It's Gerald. <laughs> Gerald. And so when I started school at Breen Bay College, I was like, okay, cool. This is an opportunity for me to reinvent myself. What are people going to call me? So I was like, should I be TC, you know, which is what I'm, most people know me by now? Or should I tell people my name's Gerald? Or should I just go with Tashinga? So what ended up happening is, because I, I don't know, I was young and I started introducing myself. So to some people, I'd be like, hey, what's your name? I was like, oh, my name's Gerald. And some people were like, oh, I'm TC. And some people, I'm Tashinga. And so I remember I was one time I was in a room like at school and a few people were talking and I could just hear them be like, oh my gosh, there's three new people at our school at the moment. <laughs> Gerald, TC, and Tashinga, have you met them? It's like, no, that's me. <laughs> But really, it was all out of the sense of striving for community. Because to be honest, we were all created for community. That is God's design. That is God's plan for us. And, you know, I love that we can have different types of community. Maybe it's a sports group. Maybe it's a community group for you in terms of serving in the community. It's a cultural group, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's a specific hobby. 
But you know, I love our faith community. I love this family here, our faith community, because our faith community, this faith community for me is life-giving. Honestly, I get so much life in that worship, so much faith in the room. My spirit gets uplifted, you know, and this is how God designed it to be, because as we grow in relationship with Him, we actually get to know Him better by growing in relationship with others, because we were created for relationship. And the cool thing is about this is that what God has established is echoed in research that secular people that have no concept of God actually understand as well. And I did a little bit of research, and this is what um, someone had to say about the importance of communities. They say that strong communities are critical because they often are an important source of social connection and a sense of belonging. Participating in a community bonded by attitudes, values, and goals is an essential ingredient to enjoying a fulfilling life. How funny is that? What God has instated as a blueprint for us to thrive is recognized in society as something that is so needed. They go on to say this, the absence of social connections can have profound effects on our overall health. An early study on the psychological impact of COVID-19 showed that loneliness was one of the factors that greatest that one of the factors with the greatest psychological impact on people's health. Some of those impacts of low social connection included elevated risk factors. Studies show how people like strong social connections are more likely to suffer from high levels of stress and inflammation. One of the other things was chronic disease. Research consistently links the lack of social connectedness with health conditions such as heart disease, high blood pressure, and immune disorders. One of the other things is mental health. Social isolation can also impact mental health and well-being. Strong social ties are crucial to mental health. They can lower stress and anxiety and help people thrive. God created us to live in community. It is His plan for our health and our well-being that I need people and people need me. And that's what I want you to capture today. That's kind of the message in a sentence. I need people and people need me. After 15 years of following Christ and serving Him, one of the things that I know to this day is that my life, my faith wouldn't be where it is today if I did not have the faith community around me to pour into me, to speak courage into me, to speak life into me. My marriage wouldn't be the where it needs to be today if it wasn't for people who spent time investing into me. And, you know, one of the things that me and Joe are really passionate about is marriages in this season. And I thought I'd take this moment just to let you know that actually this coming Friday, we're doing this thing called date night. It's a bit, you know, for me, it's like it's a bit cheesy. But I thought to myself, man, married couples, we need to have fun, man. Like, I just think in a season where, you know, kids and it's busy and it's that. But it's like, I think as a campus, we need to take a night, treat one another to a night where we come, hang out, have a laugh, you know, have some food, but actually make friends. And so we're creating this night on Friday. It's going to be awesome. If you want more details, jump on our Facebook. And I thought to myself, we need to be a society and a community that continues to create room and space for us to make friends. Society is built on communities. 
as I said, different ones where people make friends, where people have moments that they share or, you know, have aspirations. But our prayer here, and I know Pastor Luke and Missy as our senior pastor's prayer, is that friends would become spiritual friends. Is that moments would become sacred moments. And it's that actually aspirations would become divine purpose as we discover God's blueprint for community. Genesis 2 verse 18 says this. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I love that God in this verse acknowledges the need for a helper, yet he was already present in Adam's situation. So can I say today that it's not enough for it to just be you and God. He's actually created us to need other people for there to be a complete picture. It's time for us to do the journey of discovering that God's full picture of what community looks like involves me, involves him, and it involves others. So there are three things that I want to unpack this morning around what a faith community consists of. I believe, number one, a faith community fosters spiritual friends. A faith community fosters spiritual friends. And I know the question is rumbling in your head, TC, what's a spiritual friend? Maybe right now you've got uh, a picture of somebody and, you know, they just, you know, speak in the most King James language you've ever heard, you know, and they know their thou and their house, you know, and it's just, it's been, I don't think that's a spiritual friend in a sense. I actually think God's wanting you to be you. And if I can put it simply, a spiritual friend, I believe, is someone that's connected to the same source that is Jesus. And in John 15, verse 5 to 8, Jesus is saying this. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It is us as followers, as we endeavor to follow Christ, as followers of him, as his disciples, that actually what makes spiritual friends is our connection. It's our grafting into the vine that it's not just we've got the same common interests, we support the same sports team, or we're into the same music, or we get along because we're into the same sort of topics. But no, it has to be grounded in this faith that we are all followers of Jesus, that we are grafted into the vine that is Jesus. The reality is I can be a spiritual friend. You can be a spiritual friend just as how God has created you. Somebody needs that sense of humor that you have that maybe no one else in your family gets, but somebody needs it. Somebody needs your smile. Somebody needs the way you think and the way you see the world. God has created us uniquely and differently, but there's something beautiful when we begin to discover the fullness of what He has for us in community. Job 2 verse 11, when Job's says this, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz, the, Tam, the Tamanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namatite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. Spiritual friends. 
They come and they surround you in times where maybe things aren't going to plan. Things are hard. Things are difficult. People that would say, you know what? I might have a busy schedule, a busy week, but you know what? I am going to make time to make room and come and sit with you and talk with you and pray with you and journey with you. And God calls us to be that for someone else, but also he calls us to be recipients from someone else because I need people and people need me. Number two, a faith community engages in sacred moments. A faith community engages in sacred moments. I remember about maybe five or six years ago, myself and Joe were going on our fertility journey, and we'd been through some tough times of, you know, almost seeing some, a miracle happen, but then seeing ourselves disappointed. And I kind of got to a point where, you know, I'm reading the Word, and it's so encouraging in terms of the people that had faith and waited on God. And I guess maybe asking myself, God, do I not have enough faith? Like, what's going on? And, and to be honest, I was just feeling a little bit down in that season. And man, thank God for an awesome wife because, you know, she kind of just realized, like, man, you just, you kind of just haven't hung out with your friends, like, if I'm being honest, because I don't know if it's just a guy thing, but, you know, like, your friend's like, hey, how you doing? I'm great. It's so good, you know. It's like, just surface level and, you know, just like kind of move on, you know, and she's like, well, you're not, and you just need to sit down with your friends and have a bit of fun. So she did what she does best and kind of like, yeah, told my friends, you guys need to come and hang out with him. And I wasn't kind of like keen on it at the start. It's like, oh, babe, what are you doing that? It's awkward now because they know I need them, but I didn't want them to know I needed them. Ah, oh, it's like a date. Ah. Oh. <laughs> but she knew what I needed. I needed spiritual friends come and actually share in a sacred moment. And I remember it was Josh, our youth pastor, and Jason, one of my friends, and they came around, and I love those guys, you know, just boisterous and had a laugh. And, you know, there I am kind of feeling down on myself, but they're just, you know, mocking me and making fun of me at the same time. It's just like, ah, so good, this works. But, you know, my spirit started to lift as we just shared jokes and laughed. But part of the story we start talking about in, in that season we're all in youth and start talking about our young people what God was doing in our young people start talking about the different stories and I can sense you know joy starting to lift and you know my spirit starting to get lifted and I like to tell you you know they laid hands on me and anointed me with oil and you know we were last lying on the ground you know in prayer for hours no it wasn't that but it was a sacred moment because I got to sit with my friends I got to laugh I got to just connect on a heart level and it's a pivotal moment that I could right now when I picture in my mind, I know we were sitting, I know, you know, what the sense was like, because it's been such a sacred moment in my life that has reiterated the importance that I need people and people need me. I believe for us today, God has sacred moments in store for us. It could be reading the Bible with somebody. It could be learning how to pray with somebody. It could be sitting down and just talking about the goodness of God and what He has done in your life and sharing testimony. Because who knows that sometimes it can be easy in our friendships, right, to start talking about everything that's going wrong and just using your friend as a, I guess, just a, a, an ear of just like, woe is me. But I love the friend that will listen and then and say, it's like, hey, but when you're just praising God about that miracle about two weeks ago, maybe let's focus on that. When you're just talking about the good things that He's done, maybe let's look at how He's actually brought you from here to here. I want those friends because a spiritual friend creates opportunities for sacred moments. A spiritual friend creates opportunities for sacred moments. And my prayer is before today that God maybe will nudge you and go, you need to be a spiritual friend. 
Or maybe for you, God will nudge you and say, you need to reach out and ask for spiritual friends. Groups are an amazing environment for that. Where people get to do life with each other on a weekly basis and maybe talk about the Word of God and begin to talk about things that are happening in their world and maybe pray for one another and do the journey of life and share sacred moments where God is invited to bring revelation, to help us understand the Bible. Do you know what I love about the disciples? They weren't afraid to ask questions. Like, I was actually researching it. Disciples asked Jesus 25 questions. I know about you sometimes, but especially when you've been doing this Christian journey a while, you kind of feel like, I don't want to ask questions because I feel like I should know the answer. But let's not rob ourselves of the sacred moments God wants us to have with the question of what you're currently going through and what you're currently facing. Because I've actually discovered a lot of the time when I ask the question, this is what I hear. Oh my word, I'm so glad you asked that. Because I'm going through the same thing. I was wondering the same thing. Maybe let's discover what God's wanting to do in this together and have a sacred moment. Friend, there is no question that is too dumb or too silly to ask. It is better that you ask it and get the revelation because I've discovered when you ask it, it's like God is winning. It's like now I can begin to do a work in your heart because insecurity is not stopping you. Fear is not stopping you anymore. No one's an expert at this Christian thing. Once you think you're an expert, you just look at Jesus and you go, yeah, I got a while to go. So number one, a faith community that fosters spiritual friends. Number two, it engages sacred moments. And number three, it focuses divine purpose. I believe spiritual friends walk out their faith together. I think there's been some of us in this room and you're gifted, you're talented, you've got the skill. But if I'm being honest, you've been trying to do this on your own. Actually, not called to do this on your own. You need somebody in your corner. Actually, your gift is going to reach a new maturity and a new power and you begin to involve it in the community and in the spiritual friendships that God wants to grow it and challenge it. Because iron sharpens iron so that we can be more like Jesus. And I love this account in Luke 10 verse 1 to 3 where Jesus is sending out 72 people to go minister. And it says this, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two. I could just stop there. Jesus knowing there was a task at hand. Didn't send them on their own, but said it was so important that they go in community. Because it goes on to say this in verse 2, He told them the harvest is, harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest. So verse 3, go, I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. The world that maybe God's called you into might be tough. The atmosphere might be hard, and you've been trying to grind at that work on your own. It's like, man, it's like wolves out there. But God's saying, don't do this on your own. There's a divine purpose that is on your life, but it finds its full maturity when you begin to walk your faith out with others. God's about to illuminate something afresh for people because maybe for you it's jumping on a serving team and actually serving together with people. 
because you work world is so crazy during the week and you know you can't fit it in but God's saying hey what is happening on your Sundays could you jump on a serving team and begin to come alongside other people and bring encouragement and outwork your gifts and begin to bring who you are as an encourager to a community and show people that you need people and people need you I love it when it comes to divine purpose I think sometimes what can be a little bit, I don't know, hard or maybe stops us is because we're kind of looking for the shining, supernatural, wow, you know. We kind of read all these stories in the Bible of how God used people so magnificently and He wants to. But I think sometimes where the greatest miracles happen is in the mundane. It's in the day-to-day, the ordinary I just picked up the phone, I called somebody, I just said, you know, I was thinking about you, and that was it. Miracle starts to take place. I just brought a word of encouragement, and I just brought who I was. I just turned up, and I made a cup of tea, and I just served them, and I maybe brought them some food. I love that we've got a community where there's a group of people that when, you know, people have kids, they go, you know what, I'm going to make a meal. And drop it off to their house because it's a busy season. No one's got time for that. And it's a simple act like that. But it's people outworking their divine purpose with the gifts that God's given them because they're amazing cooks. And they're going, well, this is all I can do. But you will be amazed at what God can do with what you think is small and insignificant. But in Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, he says it very simply. And he goes, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. to take you every day. Your ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. With your ordinary, your everyday, the thing that you might not even count as significant, that's the very thing God's saying, I just want you to be you. And you know what? That's enough. This could be the most freeing thing for people in here, but stop trying too hard. Just stop. You're lovely. You're awesome. You're amazing. Just as you are. God needs you. I need you. We need you. We just need you to be you. And I believe God is doing something phenomenal and special within our church congregation over East. I'm like just saying, God, how good are you? Because 36 people put up their hands saying, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to make a decision for you. Do you know what those 36 people need? Those 36 people need you. But also we need them. And that's what God is doing. And I don't want anybody to miss out on it. You know, one of the things I'd encourage you is if you're not part of a group, then right now the team will pop up this thing and that you can easily just text group to 4989. 
I think that would be one of the greatest things you do off the back of a message like this to actually go, I'm going to actually practically do something because I'm sometimes guilty of this. I hear something good. I know I'm going to do something about it, but then I can forget. And so I think for some of us, it might be like 10 seconds of just courage, of just taking the phone out, 4989, group, send it, and then just chuck it away because it's like, oh, I did it. Yes. (laughs) But you know, I'm really believing because this is the beauty of community, right? That your prayer for spiritual friends is going to be an answer to somebody who's been praying to be a spiritual friend. Because that's how God works. He's so good and so brilliant at these divine connections because I believe there are people in here and you're going, God, what, what did you give this house to us for? Like, why did you bless us with this environment? Why did you give us this gift of hospitality? It's because somebody's praying and asking for spiritual friends. And when they text group to 4989, maybe God's going to tap you on the shoulder and go, man, maybe we could do something to create an environment for others who don't have friends, who don't know what it is to have sacred moments, who don't know what it is to walk out their divine purpose. We could be the answer to somebody else's prayer because I need people and people need Thank you for listening to this podcast. I trust you're encouraged by this incredibly powerful word. You know, you've always got a place to call home here at Life, and I want to encourage you to join us in one of our campuses in Auckland or Tauranga, or why don't you join us at Church Online. To find out more about life and to stay connected with us, why don't you visit lifenz.org.